This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those interested in the loud and quiet moments of history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're looking at the life of one of the most enigmatic poets in literary history, the incomparable Emily Dickinson. The day was December 10th, 1830. American poet Emily Dickinson was born in Amherst, Massachusetts. Although largely unrecognized in her own time, she is now considered one of the most dynamic and innovative poets of the 19th century, and a pillar of the American literary canon. Only a handful of her poems were published during her lifetime, but she wrote prolifically, penning nearly 1,800 poems on themes such as faith, death, nature, truth, and loss. Emily Elizabeth Dickinson was born into a prominent New England family. Her paternal grandfather, Samuel Dickinson, was a founder of the esteemed Amherst Academy, now Amherst College. Her father, Edward Dickinson, was a trustee at Amherst, as well as a lawyer and a state legislator. In 1828, Edward married Emily Norcross, and the couple had three children together, the eldest, William Austin, the middle child, Emily, and the youngest, Lavinia. Given the family's background, Dickinson's father was adamant that his children receive a quality education. When she was ten, Emily and her sister were enrolled in Amherst, a rigorous school that had only started accepting female students two years earlier. By all accounts, Dickinson was an exceptional student, and had no problem with a challenging curriculum that included classical literature, history, sciences, and philosophy. After seven years at Amherst, Dickinson enrolled at the Mount Holyoke Female Seminary in South Hadley, Massachusetts. The school followed a similar classical curriculum, but also included teachings on evangelical Christianity. Dickinson spent less than a year at the boarding school and left for unknown reasons. Some historians think her father wanted her to return home, while others believe she disliked the school's oppressive religious atmosphere and teaching style. Whatever the reason, Dickinson returned to her family estate at age 18 and remained there, growing gradually more reclusive throughout her 20s and 30s. Although she increasingly avoided in-person social interactions, she maintained frequent correspondence with a wide circle of friends, at least 90 people that we know of. She had begun writing poetry as a teenager, and often enclosed poems in her letters. Much of her work was influenced by her upbringing in Puritan New England during a time of sweeping religious reform. Although she attended church routinely until her 30s, Dickinson went against religious norms of her era and refused to conform to an orthodox view of Christianity. In private, she wrestled with the notions of belief and unbelief throughout her life, often grappling with the inevitability of death and the possibility of an afterlife. Dickinson's early 30s were the most creatively productive years of her life. 
It's believed she wrote more than 700 poems in the five-year span between 1861 and 1865. This tremendous output corresponds with her gradual withdrawal from society. The less time she spent in the restrictive outside world, the more time she had to explore her inner world through writing. One of her poems from 1862 suggests that her withdrawal was deliberate and that every person does something similar when choosing which friends and relatives to share their life with. Like all of her works, the poem is officially untitled and is typically referenced by its first line. It reads as follows. The soul selects her own society, then shuts the door. To her divine majority, present no more. Unmoved, she notes the chariots, pausing at her low gate. Unmoved, an emperor be kneeling upon her mat. I've known her from an ample nation. Choose one, then close the valves of her attention like stone. It was during this isolated period of experimentation that Dickinson developed her unique style of writing, including the unusual punctuation, syntax, and line breaks that make her work so distinctive, as well as open to multiple interpretations. Today, Dickinson is widely known for her fascination with death, grief, and loss, as expressed in famous poems such as Because I Could Not Stop for Death, and I heard a fly buzz when I died. This preoccupation with mortality came to the forefront in the 1860s, but it was present even in her earliest work. At age 14, Dickinson endured her first major loss when her friend and cousin died of typhus. During her late teens and early 20s, Dickinson suffered the deaths of several more friends and family members. This string of tragedies underlined what would become a lifelong exploration of what it means to die and of how to live with the deaths of those you love. That said, Dickinson didn't dwell exclusively on death. Her poetry is often playful and funny, using satire and irony to dress down accepted customs and institutions. She also studied botany and kept a vast garden of herbs and plants. Because of this passion, her poems feature a lot of floral and garden imagery and frequently extol the beauty and mystery of the natural world. Dickinson never married nor had children. Although she had many male admirers, it's widely believed that she carried a torch for Susan Gilbert, her lifelong friend turned sister-in-law and next-door neighbor. By the time Dickinson was 40, she rarely left the family homestead. Her seclusion has led to rampant speculation from both scholars and readers alike. Some have suggested that she suffered from agoraphobia, the fear of crowds in public places, while others point to her family responsibilities, including the care of her ailing mother and younger sister. Of course, it's also possible that Dickinson lived with severe anxiety, perhaps brought on by the sense of difference she felt between herself and the world outside her door. In any event, the poet remained at her family home until her death on May 15, 1886, 
at the age of 55. Although she had regularly sent poems enclosed in letters to friends, fewer than a dozen had been professionally published at the time of her death. The handful that had made it to print were edited and altered to quote-unquote correct the poet's unusual form and syntax. Following her death, Dickinson's family discovered 40 hand-bound volumes containing 1,775 poems. The poet had assembled these booklets, known as fascicles, by folding and sewing together a few sheets of stationery at a time. The handwritten pages contained what appeared to be final versions of her poems, complete with her intended punctuation, spelling, line breaks, and syntax. The first collection of her work was published posthumously in 1890, and sadly it removed the majority of her aesthetic choices in favor of those of the editor. Since that first publication, Dickinson's poetry has never gone out of print, though a complete collection of her poems in their intended form wasn't released until the 1990s. The strength of her talent, coupled with her unique voice and eccentric life, have made Emily Dickinson a compelling and influential author for well over a century and counting. That may not be something she actually would have wanted. In fact, the reserved Dickinson asked that her poems be destroyed after her death, a request that clearly went ignored. However, Emily Dickinson may have considered that possibility and even made peace with it. In another poem from 1862, she seemingly addresses her potential future readers, writing, This is my letter to the world that never wrote to me. The simple news that nature told with tender majesty. Her message is committed to hands I cannot see. For love of her, sweet countrymen, judge tenderly of me. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.